Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. On November 15th, 2019, CMS issued its final 2020 rules for hospitals regarding price transparency. And the good news is that unlike the original proposal, which would have provided less than two months to prepare, hospitals now have until January 1st, 2021 to implement the new requirements. Today, I'm joined by Fred Stodelak and Mark Spehar of Panacea Healthcare Solutions, who will discuss the requirements of this new rule and strategies for making sure your hospital is ready when it comes into effect. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Mark, can you give us some background on why CMS issued this particular rule and what they're trying to accomplish with it? Uh, absolutely, Mike. Uh, as many folks are well aware, on June 24th, 2019, the, the president signed an executive order on improving price and quality transparency in America to put patients first. Uh, well, prior to this rule, CMS already required that hospitals make public their charge masters. Uh, the intent of this new order in the resulting final rule is really to increase the availability of more meaningful price and quality information. Now, none of this really should come as a surprise. Um, the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services tipped his hand way back in December of 2018. If any of anybody saw his joint report along with the Department of Treasury and Labor, called Reforming America's Healthcare System Through Choice and Competition. And specifically, they recommended, quoting them from the report, it should be a priority of this administration to ensure that patients are engaged with their healthcare decisions and they have the information they need to be savvy consumers of healthcare. Federal agencies should eliminate any federal rules or policies that create unnecessary barriers to state, federal, or private sector initiatives that pro- provide price transparency. HHS also stated in the final rule that they believe that transparency in healthcare pricing is critical to enabling patients to become more active consumers so they can lead the drive towards value. That's great, Mark. Um, why don't you tell us what the requirements of the rule are? Well, broadly, it can be stated there's two requirements for hospitals nationwide. The first is to provide a machine-readable file containing the negotiated rates and terms for each payer. Uh, This needs to be made accessible from the provider's website without any barriers. CMS has also indicated that while consumers may access this file, it's their intent that researchers, employers, even software developers and payers have access to this information on the basis that such transparency will hopefully drive competition and drive down rates and ultimately premiums that get passed along to consumers. Uh, The second part of the requirement is really for each hospital to find a list of the top non-urgent 300 shoppable items and services that to provide a, a, a consumer display of charges and negotiated rates and other information for those items. Uh, The list of 300 must also include 70 items defined by CMS already 
based on Hicks picks and a few by DRG codes. This second broad requirement is really designed to encourage consumers to become more active in choice and also to encourage competition. And Fred, let's let me turn over to you um, to break down the um, the aspects of of both of those requirements. So first, can you explain the details around the machine readable file rule? Yeah, sure, Mike. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, let me start by saying that in in re- reading the final rule, attending the public CMS calls that they've had on this topic, and recent uh, exchanged emails with CMS leads me to believe that much more guidance is required from CMS. In fact, we have a a call with them coming up uh, here at Panacea. Um, The language and the requirements in the final rule cannot easily be applied to the many payers and payer contract terms that have either multiple provisions and calculations required to derive the allowed price or or where the price is variable for each patient based on resources that they consume. You know, we have some, for like procedures, one payer might be paying a percent of charges, uh, one might be a per diem and one might be a case rate. And to try to line that up as required by CMS for a specific procedure would be difficult since the charges and the length of stay, for example, for those two different payers um, might actually be different, you know, uh, among patients. So uh, anyhow, we're going to continue our dialogue with CMS and uh, we have this upcoming meeting with them and we're optimistic that we'll be able to obtain more guidance and of course, We'll share that with our clients and as well as your audience, Mike. Nonetheless, the rule requires that the description for all items and services, not just the 300 shoppable items, along with the charge and the negotiated rate or price be included in the file, along with the payer plan, the payer plan name, the name of the procedure, uh, the place of service, you know, whether it's an inpatient or an outpatient setting. And the rule further requires that this file contain for each item and service the minimum and the maximum de-identified negotiated rate. So what they want to put in that file uh, is to show, you know, for a hip replacement, for example, you know, what the lowest negotiated rate is for a payer without the payer's name and the highest. And um, they think that information will be useful to drive uh, the competition that uh, uh, Mark was mentioning. This may be an onerous task where the definition of the classification of services and payment methodologies varies across payers, such as in the example I just gave you. And our opinion is that it would be more meaningful to display the average inlier allowed payment by DRG for inpatients and by primary procedure code for outpatients. In other words, what Panacea uh, does believe would be more meaningful to a consumer for sure and to others uh, uh, doing research is that it would make more sense to display the actual result of those contract terms, especially where there's multiple provisions. And uh, this way, um, we'll, we'll be able to see the result of the calculations in one number uh, across the various methodologies. The uh, machine-readable file must also contain the corresponding discounted cash price if and where such a discount is offered. Where there's no discount being offered and where no negotiated rate applies, the gross charges must be included in that file. And then finally, I wanted to mention that the requirement is that this be updated annually or no less than annually. Of course, um, providers can update it more frequently if, if if they desire. It also must be searchable digitally 
and must use a CMS-provided naming convention. And in terms of the machine-readable formats, it could be a JSON, XML, or a CSV format. Okay. So, Fred, let's, let's turn over to the second requirement, which has to do with a consumer-friendly display. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to explain that. The consumer-friendly display must include a minimum of 300 shoppable items and services, Mike, and deciding on which of those 300 shoppable items and services will be displayed, the provider must consider volume or the revenue level, and the services must be non-urgent or elective. The 300 items and services must include the 70 defined already by CMS and where the hospital does not provide all 70, they have to make up the difference so that they still arrive at the 300-item list. By the way, they also need to disclose for those items that they don't provide services on that are uh, among the 70 required by CMS, they, they need to uh, disclose that it's just not available at that hospital. In selecting the top 300 items, we advise our clients to consider excluding those that may have inconsistent or complex payment terms across payers for the same inpatient or outpatient surgical items or services. So really, really, um, really what I'm saying there is that, you know, we're in selecting the 300 items, there's specific requirements, okay, that need to be considered in selecting those 300, taking into account volume and so forth, but we're also suggesting that you take into account those complex, those procedures that have complex payer terms and maybe excluding those, you know, from your list. For health systems, this exercise must be done for each hospital within the health system due to the likely volume and case mix differences. So in other words, a 10 hospital or 20 hospital health system is not going to be able to just develop one list across all entities. Uh, they're required to develop a unique list taking into account the different uh, volume or revenue levels of those procedures. And of course, some providers will provide services that the others don't. Um, uh, we urge hospitals to consider related items also and services in developing their list that, so that consumers have full disclosure. For example, we're recommending that they include uh, without CC and with uh, without MCC DRGs and the with CC and MCC rates and for outpatients, they might want to include the with contrast, the with and without contrast, and the with without contrast items. In other words, they may come up with one of those items on the list, and we're suggesting that it might be good to have more than 300 items and include some of those related procedures. Again, this is just to have a more consumer-friendly uh, display. The consumer uh, display must include plain language description of the service, the related primary code used for accounting or billing purposes, the gross charges, the negotiated rates for all payers. Uh, just like in the machine-readable file, the display must include the minimum and the maximum negotiated rate, the discounted cash price, if applicable, and the inpatient and outpatient setting. For those hospitals already having an online patient estimator made accessible on their website to consumers and without barriers and calculating their specific obligation, via integration with an eligibility system and providing these 300 shoppable items and services, um, the format and display is not required. Given the 10-month window between now and implementation, hospitals not having such a system today uh, might find it more economical and realistic and expeditious to actually focus on the consumer display that I just mentioned. 
under either scenario, it's still going to be important for providers to develop their shoppable services list and develop their machine-readable file. Fred, what are some of the next steps you recommend for hospitals so they can ensure compliance by next January? Well, Mike, one of the things we're recommending is that providers utilize this year wisely. We still have 10 months uh, before the implementation date, and um, what we're advising they, they do at that time initially is to take 12 months of claims and payment data and to develop for each hospital in their health system their shoppable list. Again, we're recommending that as the first step. In developing this list, we really feel it's not only important to consider volume and revenue and the non-urgent status as CMS requires, but also, as I mentioned earlier, to consider the related procedures and most importantly, select those that might be the easiest to actually display um, negotiated rates across all payers. Once completed, we suggest that the hospitals incorporate this list into their strategic or charge master pricing process so that special pricing consideration is given to these consumer-focused items and services. So in other words, once we go through the process for each of the hospitals in our health system of developing that shoppable list, to the extent that many of those items will be in the charge master, it would make sense to uh, take a close look at the competitiveness and the defensibility of those prices in the charge master. We've got more than enough time to do that between now and January 1 of 2021. And then finally, Mike, we recommend that providers develop their consumer display and the machine-readable file. However, in this process, we urge them to go beyond meeting the CMS requirements and instead focus on what other value could be incorporated. For example, low-cost or low-charge providers may choose to display uh, market information. Quality information may be valuable in helping consumers make choices for those items and services where such data is available. And it may be beneficial to show the typical low, average, and high payments for each payer for those items and services with complex multi-provisional contract terms, as I mentioned earlier. In addition to the rates such as per diems uh, or that do not directly align with specific items or services. Fred, your firm, Panacea, is offering some new services to help hospitals meet the price transparency requirements. Can you briefly describe what you're doing there? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that, Mike. Yeah, so Panacea has uh, worked um, over the last two months to develop a software program, which we now call Panacea's Shoppable Disaggregation Algorithm and Report Set. And what it does, it provides hospitals and health systems with a useful analysis and reports to help them choose and finalize their 300 or more shoppable items and services list. Uh, health systems only need to provide us with their claims and payment data, Mike, for 12 months. And our algorithm and the tables that we've built in the, in the algorithm will begin with 100% of the patient population and it'll disaggregate the population into many useful buckets, making it easy to make the final selections. While there are many buckets and useful filters in the report, Mike, it's important to mention that at the top of the disaggregation hierarchy, we remove all non-urgent items and services, and we take into account a myriad of criteria such as ICD-10 codes, place of service, revenue codes, and much more. And we also tag and flag those items having the highest utilization of private outpatient um, usage as a single build item and a multiple build item. As part of this process, we also offer the option of building charge and payment profiles for the defined shoppable items and services 
showing the low average and high charges and payments by payer, but also the typical detailed services included for the inpatient and outpatient surgical cases. And as I mentioned earlier, we actually believe that uh, this information is actually more useful uh, to the consumer than that which is specifically required by CMS, where we have complex multi-provisional terms uh, for certain payers and for certain services. You know, we've also enhanced our popular uh, hospital zero-based pricing system to include new methodologies and concepts surrounding lowering the charges to the defined shoppable items and services. And finally, we are releasing in April a program that will allow us to actually produce the machine-readable file for our clients and assisting in the developing of their consumer display. Thank you, Fred. Um, Mark, let me turn back to you for some final thoughts. It sounds like you've got some great services teed up to help hospitals uh, proactively prepare for, for their price transparency requirements. Is there anything else that you think healthcare systems should be on the lookout for during 2020 related to price transparency? Wow. Well, I wish I had a crystal ball and could be really specific about what to expect in 2020, 2021 and beyond. But um, uh, some hospitals and health systems are really hopeful that these the court challenges that are out there will really push these requirements out beyond 2021 or perhaps even completely strike them down altogether. Uh, I'm going to probably date myself with this reference, but it makes me think of uh, an old toy I used to have as a child called the Magic 8-Ball, where you'd ask a question, shake it up, and in a small window on the back of the ball, an answer would float up. It would say yes, no. Uh, it would even answer, it is certain. However, if you remember, there was one answer that was out there that was called, don't count on it. And I think that's really appropriate here. I think in the meantime, what hospitals can do is just start planning for the expanding requirements now, particularly the shoppable services. And at the same time, just keep an eye out on some of those core challenges from the American Hospital Association, the Children's Hospital Association, just to name a few. But also keep an eye on some of the legislation that's out there too, surrounding surprise medical billing that's circulating both the Senate and the House that potentially could see some action by May. Um, as we all know in the industry, momentum has been building on pricing transparency probably since the mid-2000s. And it's really picked up tremendous steam over the last two years. It'd be hard to fathom an abrupt stop ahead for this pricing transparency train. Mark and Fred, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast to help us all understand more about the price transparency requirements. For anyone in our audience who would like to learn more about what Panacea is doing for price transparency or take a look at any of the other services or offerings they have, you can visit Panacea Inc. Dot com. That's panaceainc.com. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit bestler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bestler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.